thank you. I'd like to thank Abhijit and Federica for inviting uh, me to this conference. So I'm a living example of exploration in the, <laughs> in the earlier sense. And uh, in my case, this happened not because of entrepreneurship, but because um, I got to supervise a student who was a trained psychologist. So um, some years ago, I, I had a student uh, um, for dissertation, was a trained psychologist, was really interested in academic entrepreneurship. And actually, this paper is based largely on his dissertation. And you know, Abhijit was the examiner. So that's the sequence of names. We, we've sort of worked to make this a paper. But um, the, the, the passion for the student was also to see what could be done to improve academic commercial, I mean, uh, and knowledge exchange in Nigerian universities. And the reason he, wa I mean, uh, his reasons are, you know, general reasons. So the context of middle income countries is different from that of countries like the UK and the US um, and Europe. There, there's a lack of enabling institutional frameworks. This is not only to do with IP laws, enforcement and awareness, but also, you know, the contractual possibility to work in the university and to work um, in, in the industrial sector. Universities are severely resource constrained. It's often difficult to get state-of-the-art labs. You might want to collaborate with firms as a way of accessing those facilities. This was also true in India for a very long time, especially during the growth of the computer industry. You know, universities would prefer to collaborate with companies because they had better labs. Um, and in these kind of environments, as uh, Muttu has also, uh, you know, uh, said in her works in the past, motivating scientists <coughs> to commercialize may be the first step to commercialization. So, the entrepreneurial motivation may be important, but also, you know, mo motivating scientists to engage might actually be more important than the kind of departmental and university policies that we've been talking about, partly because they're not there. So one's not saying that the department and university policies are not important, but before they can get instituted, you need a first step, and this first step may, may come uh, by motivating the scientists. So we know from the literature on knowledge exchange that financial rewards are important in knowledge exchange, but there's a growing evidence that non-financial rewards are also important and uh, you know some of the, the pioneering work on this has been by the previous speaker. But there's a number of different kinds of motives that have been recognized in the literature such as the search for independence, the search for prestige and peer recognition, the desire to bring research onto the market, to see a product which you know somehow encapsulates what you've done, what you've found the desire to apply inventions in practice, um, necessity reasons for industrial feedback, and so on. And there's also the desire to solve uh, community problems, so problems of society at large, especially important in life sciences. So in a recent paper, uh, Wes Cohen and colleagues have classified scientist motivations into four broad types, and we follow uh, though we looked at seven kinds of motives, we, we, we follow this kind of um, uh, uh, s sorting, which is that you know there are income uh, motivations, there's motivations that come from the intellectual challenge that a scientific problem poses, 
there's career advancement, which includes peer recognition and a desire to make an impact in society. So the premise, because this is uh, because our student, uh, because uh, Ladi was, you know, a psychologist. So his his way of looking at this was to say that look, motives have to combine with entrepreneurial orientation in order to produce the intention to engage in knowledge exchange. So. Um, the, 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 the questionnaire that we devised actually tried to encapsulate this logic. So the motives are distinct from entrepreneurial orientation. So by entrepreneurial or orientation, we mean things like the ability to spot an opportunity, um, the propensity to take risk, um, the, um, um, well, those are the two big ones, but uh, the, it would also include other uh, things like, you know, how far you want to go down, uh, making it into a product and so on. And the last thing we want to add is that the perception of support as opposed to the actual delivery of support is also important. So it's a very bottom up uh, look at this whole process of knowledge exchange. And so I thought or rather we thought this would be interesting for this audience where there has been mostly a, a top-down look at the whole process. <coughs> so here's my attempt at a conceptual framework. I'm sorry but some of the arrows just did not translate into the figure that when I tried to transpose it. But here you have academic motivation and entrepreneurial orientation which together produce the intention to engage in knowledge exchange which in turn results in actual knowledge exchange in the form of consultancy, spin-off activity, research collaboration, or continuing professional development. The departmental and university support can affect the motivation, but it most likely affects the intention. And of course, it also directly affects engagement. So those are the two arrows that didn't come out. I, don't, I, I really tried it several times. It reflects my... Um, Sorry, state of my IT abilities. Um, but you know, uh, those are the, the, the well known uh, and well studied links. So there's a direct uh, effect of the departmental and university support as well. So, we um, like the. Um, I th I, I, sorry, I should have. Uh, okay, so we collected data from the University of Lagos through a survey instrument. Uh, so there were uh, data were collected from 298 academic staff members, which were in 12 institutes and 79 departments. We uh, aggregate them into 13 faculties. Um, data were collected through personal visits and it took about 10 weeks and four visits to each of the academics in order to collect the data. So since this was face to face, uh, you know, the response rate was um, higher than normally. So some idea about what kind of people we have in this university. So most of the respondents were male. Uh, only less than half had a PhD. So this is, in fact, the context of many <coughs> developing countries. Uh, I mean, I say this because I grew up in India, and you know, after a master's, I too was teaching in the university. So this is quite common that not everybody uh, has a PhD. And of course, in the respondents, uh, you have very a small proportion of the, the the senior staff. It's mostly um, uh, it's mostly junior staff that uh, dominate. 
So this also reflected in um, you know the years uh, as an academic and years of engagement with the university. So the most uh, popular, um, the modal uh, value is less than five years. It is less than six years. And uh, these are the, some of the, the faculties, but you can see that about a fifth of the responses come from uh, science faculties. So I can't, unfortunately, and I couldn't find an easy way to summarize the question, and also I have just about half an hour. But I thought I could make a quite detailed uh, summary table to give you an idea of how uh, we, we constructed our variables. So these refer to the questionnaire, which you cannot see, but uh, we asked um, each academic about how much time they spend on um, consult, not how much time, but what's on a Likert scale of seven, how much effort would they have put into consultancy, into spin out, and each of these has sub I mean, sub-statements. So these are all in the form of psychometric statements, you know, that I, I spent much of my effort on consultancy with the outside world and you know they'd be they'd give a score of something between one and seven and the same for spin out then spin out you distinguish between spin out where you are a part where the university is a part and so on so these are the aggregated uh, four categories but there were sort of like 16 questions that make up those those four categories and what i will show in my regression is actually an average of those four okay so why this kind of disaggregated summary is interesting is because uh, you can see that um, the most popular form of engagement is actually consultancy that has the highest mean, um, followed by continuous professional developments, almost four, and spin-out and research collaboration are relatively, I mean, in, uh, they're not as popular. Um, then if you look at motives, uh, we have seven sorts of motives here in the, in the regressions, we reduced them to four. But you can see that, um, in fact, the, the, the motives that dominate are, um, um, motives that dominate are the personal motives and the altruistic motives. Um, and gaining resources, further learning from research are also important. So uh, I found this interesting because you might think that you know, academics go into commercialization in poor countries especially more because they would earn more income, but this is not true. Actually, it's the altruistic motive that dominates. Um, then we have a number of questions about uh, departmental mobilization and support for knowledge exchange. So here I've separated the questions between internal resource mobilization and external resource mobilization. So internal resource mobilization is things like, do you make PhD students available? Do you make time available? Um, and the, the external resource mobilization is how far you're able to garner resources from industry to support your departmental research activities and so on. And we have something similar for the university level, it's based on um, knowledge uh, innovative there's a there's a there's a scale which is developed to judge universities knowledge exchange activities and um, you can you can see that in the descriptive statistics at least the university uh, level um, perceptions seem to be more important than the departmental ones 
<coughs> now, if you look at the table of engagement outcomes uh, in terms of these four broad categories, actually it seems that there are only two categories, consultancy and non-consultancy, because spin-out, research collaboration and CPD are all quite closely related to each other. So I don't use this um, sort of split too much at the moment in, in the results I present to you, but it's interesting. Similarly, in personal motives, you can find groups uh, that are quite highly related to each other in the seven uh, groups that, um, I, uh, se seven sorts of reasons that I've put up there. So further learning from research is very closely related to uh, gaining resources from research. Additional income from research is very closely related to, I mean, very highly correlated to further learning from research. Peer recognition is correlated to additional income, uh, like the graph we saw earlier um, in the last presentation. And altruistic, um, so altruistic motives are also quite correlated with um, um, the the further learning from research. So um, we break this up into those four categories that I uh, I talked about, where we mix, uh, we merge some of these uh, categories. I, I'll just skip this. So let me uh, give you some uh, flavor of what we find. Of course, what we are doing is not a causal regression. It's just looking at conditional means. I mean, it's saying that you know, if I have this outcome and I control for X, Y, and Z factor, what is, the, uh, what is the size of this effect? We use OLS because even though each, uh, each statement is ranked on a Likert scale of 1 to 7, when we start averaging them, we get a pretty continuous distribution of uh, data. Um, we have uh, done the data all aggregated together as academic engagement and also split up, but I'm only showing you the results for the aggregated data today. The independent variables that we include or the, the, the right-hand side variables are the respondent characteristics, so, you know, experience, gender, um, educational level, 13 dummies as faculty controls, and uh, motivations and intentions. So let me start with the motives and academic intentions. So if you, <coughs> if I if I bring up this figure again, what we are looking at here is the first this link. Okay. Um, um, so what we find, I hope you can read this properly, but uh, those are the the dip, uh, the they control. So you find that women have, uh, females do not tend to have uh, the intention to contribute to knowledge exchange. Uh, the rest of the variables don't seem to matter very much. Um, in the faculty, there's only one faculty which is likely not to engage, uh, but I have not included them. And the interesting variables for us are the academic entrepreneurial orientation, the four motives, um, the five motives, so we also included peer recognition separately, um, and then the departmental entrepreneurial orientation, so these are perceptions of the university framework and the department uh, entrepreneurial orientation. So what we find is that when you look at the intention to undertake knowledge exchange, 
what seems to matter is the income motivation and the impact on society motive. So peer recognition, career advancement, and intellectual challenge don't seem to matter for the intent. So uh, this sort of uh, echoes a little bit the extrinsic, intrinsic kind of debate in the entrepreneurship literature because um, you know th there are two types of entrepreneurs: the ones who do it for money and the ones who do it to have an impact. And you seem to see something similar with um, uh, with. Uh, motives and intentions. So the income motive and the impact on society motive seem to be big and, and the size of their effect is also not very different. Um, entrepreneurial orientation does matter. So if you are an individual who is better at recognizing opportunities and risk taking, then uh, you are going to uh, probably intend to undertake knowledge exchange. But what's quite interesting is that the perceptions of departmental support also matter uh, for your intention to engage in knowledge exchange, but not the university framework condition. This may be, uh, I'll come back to what these results might mean later. So the second part is to look at the commercialization effort and include the views of the support policies. So here again, we have the entrepreneurial intention um, uh, estimation, but here now we take an overall score on motivations. We don't break up the motivations. Um, and so you st still find the same result that we had before. You have uh, motives matter, uh, entrepreneurial orientation matters, and departmental orientation matters in explaining the intention. And then the intention explains the engagement, whether you actually undertake academic engagement or not. And this has by far the largest weight in the regression. So again, we don't find any role for the university framework factors, but a, a huge role for the departmental support, I mean, a, a, a significant role for departmental support. So both motives and entrepreneurial orientation matter for the intention to engage in knowledge exchange. Intention matters for engagement. It has the largest coefficient. Departmental support for KE perceived positively by all respondents, but the university framework showed no ex effects. So what, do we con what can we conclude from uh, this, this set of results? So all these conclusions are very university specific because we are only looking at one university. Uh, favorable perceptions about department support suggest that this should be increased for anything that's done to um, um, enhance knowledge exchange in this university and it probably is because the department chair has the power to give you sabbatical leave has the power to make phd student resources available to you i mean has the power to change the conditions of your working and engagement much more than the university framework i mean it's more immediate it's closer to you uh, it could also be that the university framework is not is not considered important because uh, the framework conditions in Nigerian universities have not developed as much. They, maybe they are still very nascent. Their policies for royalty, sh you know, in license, income sharing, and all this may be too nascent. Um, it also suggests that you should support academics that show entrepreneurial orientation, perhaps through entrepreneurial education of some kind, you know, showing them how to spot opportunities, 
helping them to build better business models, the kind of things that happen in a lot of universities these days in the UK but uh, are not uh, really that prevalent in Nigeria. But most of all, I think uh, the, motives, uh, the importance of motives suggests that you should tailor incentives for academics, not only in terms of additional income, but also those that desire additional societal impact may need a different kind of support, perhaps in terms of uh, engaging civil society organizations, um, perhaps in t I, I, it's not clear what should be the support, <coughs> but there are no policies for it. So that, that's kind of my point, that for those who want to have an impact on society, how you actually engage with that as a university, it's not very clear. I'll stop here.